Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling, and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're, You're listening, listening to the Podmania, Podmania Pro, Pro Wrestling, wrestling Podcast. Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. Of the Pod Mania podcast. We are back finally, all three of us on one podcast. Welcome back, Chris. Welcome back, Garth. Even though technically you were here last week, it was me who wasn't here, and then the podcast never materialized because of internet issues. So there's actually been a big gap in podcasts, even though we did record one. Even Hi, guys. How are you? Hi. Um, I've, it turns out I'm not very fit to. Judge RuPaul's Drag Race because my favourites have been knocked out two weeks in a row now. Garth, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay, battling a, a cough, more illness, but uh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to rock. Good stuff. That sounded like the most pitying. I'm, I'm battling a, I'm battling a vicious, vicious case of the cough. This is the, this is what you get for having children. What cough? Is that it? <laughs> oh, I, so Garth really is like my mother. Okay, it's, a, it's just constant disease. <laughs> just constant. <laughs> Are you disease everywhere. Disease or your children? Pestilence. Oh, it's vile. <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, for the eagle-eyed among you, you will have actually seen the title of this podcast and realised that once again we have not done the retro pay-per-view review we had announced that we were going to do simply because... Fucking you lads would do anything to put off progress. (laughs) Oh, we have real lives. Like, fuck, you have real lives. Unfortunately, with the sheer spate of wrestling that has recently come out, obviously AEW Dynamite is just getting into the flow of things. NXT's gone to two hours. We've got the WWE Draft, which nobody gives a fuck about, but it's happening. Oh, I'm going to watch that. That's going to be the first time I've watched SmackDown in months. Yeah, I'm probably going to watch it, to be perfectly honest. But even so, with (laughs) all of this... Don't fucking lie. (laughs) With all of this, it's just been impossible to do a podcast, really, and to watch watch another pay-per-view, which is four hours long. So... We're going to do three a and a half hours long. Yes, Rob. how okay. dare I exaggerate, Chris? How dare I exaggerate? Seems short if you watch do... it on two times speed. I could have had um, fucking Wembley, <laughs> which is four and a half hours long. So. And we oh, are eternally grateful that you didn't do that. So, the idea today, we've already done Chris's very controversial top ten wrestler list. Was it controversial? Was it actually controversial? <laughs> I don't... I don't even know if we get comments. I don't read them. Was it actually controversial? Honestly, mate, you would not believe it. It blew up. Absolutely blew up. <laughs> Who is this absolute mark? And why does he have a top ten list? Fucking CM Punk is his number one. Okay. All right. To be <laughs> yeah. fair. As soon as you this... announced number one, CM Punk, so many people stopped listening. Okay. Is, is that actually the case? No, is it fuck? No. Like, no, that's thing though, because... just um, me. Um, that's something we, I, I feel like we need to point all three of our podcast um, top ten favourite wrestlers are going to be very fucking different because we're all from different generations of wrestling fans and I think that makes our podcast better than most podcasts 
because, <laughs> <laughs> no, because like we have Rob, who's like the he likes Kane, which tells Joy you need to know. Um, you have okay. Gaff, who's you have Gaff, who's from the eighties, and then you have and then the you best. have me. Who, and then you had me who grew up with the internet. So, like, we all have very different perspectives. Grew up on that with one. the internet. internet. <laughs> but I say that. I didn't get, my house didn't have the internet until 2008. So. Still barely has internet now. <laughs> Fucking post office. Get your shit <laughs> together. It actually has. I need to show you guys that. It actually is a post office router. It has the post office logo. Oh, there. please <laughs> send a message of that to the group chat. And it's on the other side of the house. So, it explains so much about me. Oh, it really does. Um, So basically, ladies and gentlemen, what is going to happen is we are going to do a top 10 list for each of the people on the podcast. Chris has done his, and tonight it is Garth's turn. Garth, we're very much handing the ball to you tonight because we've got fuck all idea what is coming. I mean, (laughs) me and Chris can probably guess who's number one. Number 10, Tighty, what the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> so uh yeah this is very much a garth hosted podcast i'm going to take a a seat very very far away and just listen the, to your dulcet tones well the uh the eagle eared and i probably would have noticed that we've done this already top five back in the i think it might be in the very first podcast we did oh it was because i listened to it in preparation for my top 10 just and to I, make sure there wasn't too much overlap yeah and i have the very first thing and I it was actually I, it's actually amazing because it's very clear you two aren't fully yourselves because you're trying to impress each other. I was, like, trying, to, I was is, desperately trying to flirt with him, in fairness. Garth <laughs> is a lot more diplomatic than he is now. Because <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, we've dug down to the very, very smarky inner core of Garth. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. The grumpy old bastard. <laughs> the man who is just floored by one single cough. No, that's me. I I was listening to that podcast and I was like, that's not Garth. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> He's far too chirpy. <laughs> yeah, if you want to if you want to laugh, please go back and listen to the earlier countdown episodes. They are apparently if you really want hilarious. To laugh, if you really want to laugh, listen to the um, original Young Lions that I posted. They're not bad. I'm just really fucking funny. So. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless self promotion. Anyway, Garth. Shall we, we know start? You're tired, hungry, ill, and just everything <laughs> in I'm the world. I'm not wo- hungry. I'm alright. I'm alright. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, get going, man. You ready for number ten? Of course, born ready. Number ten is money, 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 money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ted DiBiase Junior. Damn it! Don't you dare! <laughs> Don't you mention his fucking name in vain. Everybody's got a price. Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, number 10. <laughs> that, that is the best theme ever. Isn't it? It's such a perfect theme. <coughs> yes, he's my number 10. Um, even though I only caught him sort of later on in his career, sort of late 80s, early 90s, like, I just fell in love with his character straight away. It's, it's, the it's, inner it's, capitalist. His feud with them. Dusty Roads, where we had Sweet Sapphire, um, where we bought her Very from Mint Court. Do, do, you know, do you know the story behind Sapphire? But she got hired because she was an actual proper Dusty Roads mark, so they, they knew they could pick up Dusty. So then, as soon as she ended up with DiBiase, she fucking quit. 
great. That was when they were totally screwing over Dusty as well. Yeah. Um, Teddy Biafra was great. He was such because because he had to work with his, like the likes of Hulk Hogan and um, others who weren't so gifted in the ring. Very limited. So he was another one of the ones who would basically be the workhorse of the match and make these people look great. Um, but his in-ring stuff was great. His promos were f- amazing. His vignettes were fucking magic. Um, his when he teamed up with IRS, that was a really good feud. And then when he did on when he retired and did his managerial stuff, that really worked as well. He just had a bit of everything. <clears throat> then he went to the NWO and did the same thing. Billionaire <laughs> um, Ted. Yeah, uh, it's just 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 one of my favorite characters. Character wrestler, like more than anything, was he's just a good character. Yeah, he was definitely. number 10. Absolutely. I was actually I was actually introduced to DBRC at a young age because I had WrestleMania 4 on VHS <laughs> that I found in a pound shop in Berwick, of all places. And I remember seeing him, and he, of course he gets to the final at WrestleMania 4, and at that age you don't know what good and bad wrestling is. And I was sort of like, who the fuck is this guy, this absolute fucking cunt? <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, for his character is perfect. But also, don't question why 11-year-old me was saying cunt. <laughs> Scottish is fine. I mean, you, <laughs> you look at some of the stuff that he did. I mean, he had a black manservant. It just <laughs> stuff like that oh, yeah. doesn't really translate the, very well oh, in the, today's society. We, very quickly, with Virgil, he's such a carny, isn't he? 100%. Absolutely. He, he will now. Um, he do, can't get away with it anymore. But he used to um, say, oh, Dead TV Aussie will come up and then turn up on the day going, oh, no, Ted can't do. But, you know, <laughs> I'm here. Virgil's here. Don't worry. The man with the worst punches in wrestling except for that's Shane McMahon. Equi- that's the equivalent of thinking you're going to get Woody from Toy Story and getting the little remote control car. <laughs> I think I would rather watch the little remote control car in Toy Story at WrestleMania than Virgil. <laughs> to be fair, so would I. But like, I don't. I think all of us would. Let's not be. Let's not kid ourselves. It's a little remote control car going up against Brock Lesnar. So, oh, that would be incredible. No. Absolutely incredible. Anyway, <laughs> and let's not forget Ted DiBiase's biggest claim to fame, and that is becoming Raw General Manager on the Podmania Universe mode. Garth. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there. fuck I. That is the thing you're doing, isn't it? Last, see, last scene arm in arm with uh, the Iconics. Oh, <laughs> play it, Ted. Play it, Ted. <laughs> That's so creepy. But great at the same so time. Yeah. Last, thing, last thing, I feel like when I finally get my progress universe mode up and going, when 2K20 comes out, that's going to be in such dark contract, um, contrast to Gar. <laughs> Garth is still very much in the golden era, and more oh, power yeah. to him. Speaking of the golden era, number nine. Oh. Chris is going to love this. <laughs> I'm very happy he's not <laughs> This is actually very relevant because I watched quite a bit of his um, New Japan stuff recently. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. The Hulkster, Hulk Hogan, number nine. Why is he so low on your list? That's not... Fucking, his WCW theme's better. Yeah, but... He's got the red, red and blue, and he don't even know what to do. It's amazing. (laughs) 
I thought uh, I, I had to put him in here. I had to put him in the top ten because he is the gateway to so much wrestling from most people my age, especially. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, pop culture wise, he's still arguably the biggest, most well known wrestler. Uh, because he won't fucking go away. <laughs> well, they bring him back for a reason. Like, yeah, we bring him back because the, Sau- the Saudis only just got the 1980s transmissions. <laughs> this, they're still thinking he's going to turn up in there, in in that sort of shape. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Who's this midget? <laughs> I actually remember the first time I saw Hulk Hogan, and it was on in 2007, like three months into watching the 20th anniversary of one of the two, now 15th anniversary Raw. And he turned up, I'm like, who the fuck is this old cunt? You didn't know about Hulk Hogan until then? No, because wow. my family, I, I, I'm, it's, I'm weird anomaly, because my family are completely against the idea of wrestling. <laughs> completely against the idea of wrestling? <laughs> no, like my dad will watch, my dad will watch, like, schlocky um, sci-fi, but then when he walks, if I, if, like, I'll commandeer the living room for, like, NXT TakeOver. It's actually my mum gets into it, which is the weirdest thing. But my dad walks in and goes, it's fucking fake. I'm like, the shit you watch, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love the idea of your mum, because I know who your mum's favourite wrestler is as well, which makes it sound it's like Hanson. I've... Yeah, Hanson, which makes it sound like I've slept with her. <laughs> I know your oh, mum's favourite wrestler. Fucking, like, I'm not, I'm not being funny, Rob. She's a bit below you. Oh, thanks, man. Fucking hell. I mean, ouch, but thank you. Um, is it ouch to you, though? No, no, it's it's lovely to me. I mean, it's a horrible thing to say about your own mother, but, you know, <laughs> thanks, man. She said worse. So, um, Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, yeah, sorry. Is Chris trying to derail this uh, chat about Hulk Hogan? It is. <laughs> I, um, I I do have some praises for Hulk Hogan, which we'll, let, which we'll get onto after you jizzed all over. Yeah. I'm not going to jizz all over, it's just... Obviously, coming from that era, it was hard not to be all encompassed by it because he was, like John Cena became, the fucking the man of wrestling, like all of wrestling, because that's all you got back then. And um, But I mean, he had good matches or he put on good spectacles, not necessarily good wrestling matches. But no, I always enjoyed his stuff, like the... Undertaker feud he had was good fun. The stuff he did with Warrior was probably the best stuff he did. Um, then when he came back, and he did even the Mr. America stuff, I enjoyed it because it was. I can't was call the match to man feud at all. It was Hulk Hogan <laughs> and stuff he did in WCW with Flair and that heel turn is still the best heel turn ever. Yep, I agree. Um, I can I can disagree with that with the heel turn. He like, still offered so much, even though he was still. He was holding down so much. Still, <laughs> which but, is, but, but, but admittedly... when we say holding down, we mean other people, not himself. Yeah, but th- that's what I mean. Like it's he did obviously propel himself to the top, but more fuel the fucking management for letting him do it. Um, his his thing, Hulk Hogan, for someone especially of my generation, is someone who's overshadowed by the bollocks he pulled. Exactly because of the latter stuff that he's remembered on. I and I do understand that. But also, the bo- some of the bollocks he pulled was completely fucking unforgivable. It's true. What he did. 
Like, like, have you heard the story of what he tried to do to Brian Pillman? <coughs> no, I've, I mean, I've heard the other stories about what he tried to do with Vince. Okay, like, but about to go wow, wow. Well, um, just where he basically refused to fucking turn up. <laughs> um, but with um, Brian Pillman, so right, so it's right after that infamous moment where he went, I respect you, Booker Man, and it was like a worksheet, it was like a proper worksheet, because everyone thought it was a sheet, but it was a work. But then Pillman fucked off the ECW, so it turned into a sheet. It's all very muddy. But Hogan tried to have Pillman turn up the next week so he could bury Pillman getting over. Well, thing is, that's all just because if you're leaving, you don't go out on top. That's the thing with Hogan. He's someone who did not know how to let his career be. Yeah. And it's, it's somewhat time, sad. It's probably, well, that's it. It's sad because it's probably, because it's hard to let it go. It's like after the fucking 50th Rolling Stones last tour tour. Yeah, just like, let it be. But no, I, I had to put him on. I couldn't put him at number 10. Um, and he is important to it all. And I still do believe that no Hulk and no wrestling as it is now. Because it wouldn't have reached as broader audience. <clears throat> he just had the charisma. No, it's weird though, because like in terms of like actual pop culture references, I think Macho Man is bigger. Because in terms of Slim Jim, okay, some weird shampoo advert that Hogan did in Japan, they don't really stack. Yeah, but Macho Man didn't have any movies. Don't bring his movies into it. Oh, for Hogan God's sake! Urban Commando, which also right. had the Undertaker in, and Gaff, Mr. Nanny. So yeah, I've not I've not seen either of them. So. That surprises no one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Number nine, Hulkster. Oh yeah, we forgot to mention the feud with the Rock. <laughs> it wasn't really a feud. It was like one. It was well, like one match. Mate. It was like three weeks. Yeah. It was so good. It was fine. And then uh, um, Heartbreak Kid tried to fuck him over, didn't he? Oh fuck off with this, Prick. right? <laughs> All right, so. Like, <clears throat> Hogan, it's it's really fucking Hogan's fault. Hogan's like, yeah, brother, I'll do a fucking trilogy. And then fucking Hogan goes, actually, nah, brother, we're going to do one match, and I'm fucking going over. <laughs> fucking, bah. And then, so, <laughs> and then, so, Sean, who is very professional, a bit stage in his career, part of the likes of Chris Jericho, um, Randy Orton, John Undertaker, Cena. put everyone, John Cena, put everyone fucking over. But no, Hulk Hogan's a much bigger cunt, and fuck Hulk Hogan. I, I will say, just no, say, no, it is easy to get caught up in all the bad things Hulk Hogan's done. And fucking hell, there are a lot of them. I mean, we've done well to oh, yeah. navigate the fact that he is a steaming racist. Um, steaming racist, um, sex tape with Bubba the Love Sponge's wife. And by the way, he would fuck calls himself a love sponge. <laughs> if, if, I was a bit, if I was able to, I would call myself a love sponge. Um, but I'm more I mean, of a, I'm more of a per- love, you- like, love force field. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm incapable. I'm, I'm incapable of love. Wow, this is going to places I never thought it would. But like again, like I was saying, like it's easy to get sucked into the bad things that Hulk Hogan did. But in the late '80s, Hulk Hogan, it was, it wasn't on the same scale as Beatlemania, obviously. But in wrestling, Hulk Hogan was wrestling. You, he would, he could sell out Madison Square Garden on his own by being on the card. And you've Garth Rye, his feuds with. You know, even Andre the Giant, you know, the Bobby the Bobby Heenan family, the <laughs> Sheik, exactly. 
everything he did was so iconic in that period. And then his stuff with Warrior the first time, God, God, the first time, not Halloween Havoc. But <laughs> that match... We're going to review six, that one day. And I know that we're going to review that one day. <laughs> his, match at, his match at Mania 6, considering neither of them are even close to being capable wrestlers. No. Like, it was also, an incredible I think spectacle. Hogan is, Hogan is capable of being a capable wrestler. They wouldn't... I say they wouldn't bring him into New Japan if they, could, if they didn't, but then again, they brought in Akabono in New Japan, so what the fuck do they know? But, like, if you look at Hogan's matches with Antonio Inoki, he is a good wrestler. He just doesn't care half the time in America. Well, that was it. It was like, just go out and do those moves and that's it. That's all the kids want to see. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> it's all the Garth wants to see. That was enough for me when I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on. Number eight is trust me. <laughs> Jake Roberts. <laughs> oh, I, I, he said trust me, and I thought you were um, Reverend Foggett, but never mind. Oh God. <laughs> 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 that was the second thing I'm actually when he says trust me when he was like heel when he was full heel. Oh yeah, and then he started doing the fucking religious shit. <laughs> yeah, Jake the Snake Roberts. Yes. Uh, Jake, Jake was just amazing. Such an underrated, like, not wrestler, because I think everyone always does praises back to wrestling, but like performer. Like, his, he, he could best. sell and make it look like he was legitimately fucking hurt. Well, he, he was, probably just was. On the inside. He was just <laughs> on the inside. <laughs> That's what I mean, yeah. Um, his gimmick was just like on, like anything else. I mean, animal cruelty all over. So, um, you know. It was the 80s and 90s. Anything goes. Um, exactly. <clears throat> uh, but his promos were just something so different. Um, so quiet and calm, but menacing. And <clears throat> like he always had that undertone of psychopath where you thought this guy could just fucking snap at any moment, but he never really did. Um, he had his moments when he teamed up with The Undertaker for a bit and crashed the wedding. Um, the what was it? The match made in heaven and the match made in hell. <laughs> SummerSlam '91. Um, brilliant. Um, but no, I was just when I was a kid and watching him, it was always just mesmerising to watch him. I mean, he even had good matches with the likes of Billy, like Bad News Brown. Uh, and you, nobody at the time was using the DDT, which is just it's like one of the most iconic moves now which is just a move but back then it was like fucking hell and the match with that it, nobody delivered it like that <clears throat> and like my favourite feud of his was probably the most famous one he had with Macho Man where he sick Damien on him and that to a fucking what was about 11 years old 10, 11 that was fucking traumatising watching Macho Man get savaged by this fucking python <laughs> <laughs> It was it was it was tough watching that was to be fair. It was just the fact that they did it, like just insane. So yeah, um, the thing is with Jake, he was he was in and out quite a lot, so he never really had a proper long sort of run. I mean, he did the whole religious thing and the, the Steve Austin thing, which is everybody knows about, but. Um, no, I think 
I had to put him again. He's another one I had to put on because of he's one of the first ones that I really got as not I'm sorry, I'm back. My phone dropped. Sorry, I <laughs> thought it'd gone quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you still talking about Jake Snake Roberts over Mr. Hold entry? Stuart Snake Roberts, yeah. Okay, good. Sorry, um, <laughs> continue. But no, like that feud with Macho Man was amazing, and every time he's come back. Well, every time he did come back before he went away for good, I don't know. Something always just like made us made him. I don't even think he actually ever won anything. I don't think he won a belt. No, in WWE, no, he didn't. No, on WWE, he never won a major belt, <clears throat> and it's such a shame. But he was always someone that would get somebody over, or would like when he got over, it would it, it felt like such a big deal because he battled. Everything was a battle with him. He never sort of squashed people or he always made hard work and stuff, which it made him feel a bit more human. It's quite sad because my... Sorry. Just in in, in the land of all of these Muslim men, he was kind of just like like a soft-bodied, normal person. Um, Well, Jake the Snake is someone, with the exception of... Who's the fighter Mania 4? Was it Rick Reed? Um... It must have been. Yeah, Possibly. it was Rick Rude. And it's such a shame because like, he's someone people, especially in my generation, look at in retrospect as a cautionary tale. Like, my, with the exception of Mania 4, my first introduction was um, Beyond the Ropes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Beyond the Mat. And, yeah, Beyond the Mat. <clears throat> and, like... Downfall. It's so... F- like, he had such a fucked life. Like, he was... Um, abused and sexually assaulted as a child and then his father's like a right cunt like a proper cunt and, and I know I say cunt a lot so like the weight of the word has lost some meaning but properly the fucking cunt and then like yeah and then he had like such problems and then like you just need to see his promo and performance at um, what was it wrestling Legends of Wrestling you know that? Yeah, um, that, you've that's got, hard watching. You've got 21s, I'm going to play 22. I'm like, that's not how Blackjack works. Like, <laughs> but um, but his promo ability. Is, when he was on, when he was on his game, his promo was... He can make anyone a baby face, including himself. Like, he, he can manipulate, he draws you in. Yeah, that's it. And that's why when anybody now does stuff like that, like... Like in TNA used to have well in Impact he had Killer Cross was doing that exact same thing, really no, exactly. slow, deliberate, monotone even. And it, like it's you had the impression and you know because it's eighties wrestling but it's definitely ad libbed. Oh yeah. But um, you get the impression that he is calculating every mm-hmm. single word. Exactly. And you're genuinely uncomfortable whenever he's in the room. And I'm really happy he's now healthy. Because yeah, he's, he's good, yeah. He's a low-key legend. That's the thing. He is, he's not like a sort of marquee name. He's not somebody who people sort of flash in the lights, but he's always he was always somebody who I enjoyed watching when I was younger. And, yeah, I used to get excited for his matches. So, yeah, I had to he's, put him on. He's so good that we managed to get through an entry without alluding to the fact that Snake can also mean penis. Until now. <laughs> Until you came along, Chris. And this is just me and Rob. No issue. I must just bring out the best in people. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> that's um, 
number eight. Next up, number seven is AEW's current world champion, Chris Jericho. I like how you didn't even bother trying to do a theme song for that one. Nah, I could I was gonna do break the walls down, but break the that. walls down. Um that doesn't fit now. <laughs> AEW fair, he, legend he, Chris Jericho. I think he's one of those few people who's never had a bad theme song. Uh, I can only remember the two that he's had. He also had King of My World by Saliva. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember it. Uh, there was like news <coughs> for like three months in 2002. I think with Jericho, and when I was doing my list, I was like, where could I put Jericho in here? In, in replace in like place of who and in the original list in this spot I had Razor Ramon but the more I thought about it and after what Jarrett was doing now I was like nah fuck that he's a he's a fucking bona fide top 10 legend <laughs> you know it's funny the same thing happened to me with my list really? no because I'm pretty sure I explained this during the thing but um, I was talking about um, I was talk. I was like talking to you about my list before you went on air, and you were like, um, and then you were talking about Jericho because Jericho had done something. I'm like, oh fuck, Jericho, Jericho is it? Where the fuck am I going to put Jericho? I just think now, now that he's at this point and he's still top, top ten talent, like top of wait, well, top of the league talent, and he's a draw wherever he goes. And he's done the Japan thing, and he brought people to to that. He made that. A lot more mainstream. There's stuff in WWE, F, ACW, WCW. Even from like his first sort of appearances in WCW, they knew he had something. And he wasn't even particularly like good in the ring at that point. He was good, but he wasn't polished. And it was his charisma and his promo. Um, I mean, people still cite stuff like his. Um, was it a thousand and one moves? A thousand and four holds. Yeah, right, that's it. That was, um, that's an amazing story because he was like going through it and then it went to break and he just started going, um, this local sport team fucking sucks. You all fucking suck. And then came back, everyone's booing him and it's like, exactly. 154. He's, um, he, more than most people in that business, know how to work a crowd. He knows how to say no, the right things at the right time. Bully, it's him and Bully Ray and maybe Alexa <laughs> Bliss. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I mean, as an example, I don't know if you've watched episode two of All Elite, um, Dynamite, but he says something in that and you're like, holy fucking shit, you kind of say that? <laughs> Where he calls uh, Dusty Rhodes an asshole. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Where he was like, fucking hell. He just brings up Cody and like, by the way, for Rhodes are an asshole. I'm like, Jesus, fuck. Oh, nice. I, I hated your daddy was an asshole. <laughs> it's like, but then the crowd reacts. And you know he doesn't mean it, but... No, because Dusty is universally loved. So he just... And like as much as he's had... I'm trying to think of like... like Stan, he had, I, as much as it wasn't amazing, I really loved his feud with CM Punk. Because it went places at the time that WWE just didn't normally go. Oh, that, that feud is what got me back into wrestling, the fucking drink. Exactly, about his dad and stuff. Did he go to like a pub in England or Ireland or something? Yeah, yeah, he did, he did. And he was like, and he just kept going through like progressively, if I remember correctly, I haven't watched this since it aired, but like going through progressively heavy, heavier drinks. Mm-hmm. 
And it was amazing. Like, last thing, if you... I'm pretty sure we all grew up... Well, not maybe not Gaff. But I'm pretty sure me and Rob both grew up with, like, very different Chris Jericho feuds. Like... I, mean, I remember when Jericho f- came back. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, the first feud... I mean, when I first started res- uh, watching wrestling... Uh, the first feud that Chris Jericho was in was with Kane over coffee. So, probably not a great example. <laughs> to be fair. Um, no, but I think we're both the same that we didn't quite get best Jericho, because my first Chris Jericho feud was Babyface against Randy Orton when he first came back, which wasn't best Jericho. But then he eventually morphed into best Jericho. Is that when he had the suit? 2008 suit Jericho, yeah, which everyone copied. Yeah. Eric Young copied it. Jack Swagger fucking copied it. That Shawn Michaels feud is, to this oh, yeah. day, in my opinion, his best feud. It's what cemented me as a wrestling fan, that feud. Because I've been watching a year, for a year. I didn't get raw, so I'd sort of on and off. But then that fucking feud, I was like, Jesus. But like, it, it was a proper debating point in school whether um, Chris Jericho actually hit Shawn Michaels' wife and purpose. Well, he, he, he even says now to this day that that's one of his favourite feuds because there was... Lots of lots of realism and some of the best matches because, quite frankly, they fought like they hated each other. Uh-huh. Like in that ladder match, uh, no mercy, no mercy. no mercy, right? Ah, oh, ten out of ten. I think we can all agree, ten out of ten. That fucking ladder match. Yeah, it was a great match. It was yeah, a great match. Amazing, yeah. And I mean, even the fact that he was, even later on, where he was, he was never sort of, he was never like top of the card. But he was one of those people that knew that Vince always would turn to and say, put this match over. The the um, Money in the Bank matches, he always got put in them. No, but I think, and then when, when RVD first came back, we had him have a match with Jericho. RVD um, immediately over. And it's mm-hmm. like, he, he, he does get anything over. He put over Fandango. That's so much of a cup. He, well, he is loyal to a fault. Well, he's one, he's one of the people who, and it, if you listen to me, he always says like, you need to know. You need to know when to lay down. You need to know when to let people get some get some of the limelight. I think because um, my bro- my twin brother, he doesn't give half a fuck about wrestling, but he knows who Chris Jericho is. So when I'm like, "Hey, Chris Jericho's not in WWE anymore. He's somewhere else," and he's like, "Oh, really? Fucking do tell." Mm-hmm. It's just like I say, he's such an um, entertaining and sort of watchable person. Um, I, like, I'm really excited to see what he does with this faction that he's got. Oh, that, that, I, do, you, do you know the faction, Rob? Because I don't know if you've had time to watch AEW. I haven't, so please don't spoil it. Okay, so okay, have you watched episode one? I have watched episode one, yes. Okay, then you know who's in it. Yes, I do. Okay, so perfect. what is it? It's, so it's him, Guevara, LAX, LAX. and Swagger. Yeah. And it's sort of like, um, well, that's everything. We have the good tag team, the young gun, um, the muscle, and the veteran. They have everything we need. And Jericho is like the perfect veteran. His promo is fucking dynamite. Se- second fun. I think, in, especially for my generation, where a lot of Jericho that we got, with the exception of 2008, was sort of late 2012 to late 2015 <clears throat> Jericho, where, like, that's the one, like, sort of three That was where he just stopped giving a shit, really, wasn't it? Yeah, he, like, he'd turn up. He clearly just wanted to get his wrestling fix and leave. And then that Kevin Owens stuff, that's that when was, he finally got good. Because I remember when... he turned... 
that's when he turned up, and that's when eventually I was like, oh fuck off, Chris Jericho. And then post AJ Styles feud, that's when he got interesting. Like, yeah. Well, fuck. That festival of friendship thing, that whole thing was amazing. The list, the the um, Jericho thing, the Jericho. Like, yeah, like that, that. Like I say, the festival of friendship, the turn, everything was just perfect. And you can tell, like, it had Jericho like all over it, like all his ideas and stuff. No, I think you have um, someone who's a, a genius like Chris Jericho and an amazing um, promo like Owens that just creates gold. And I'm really excited what he's going to do. Because that's the thing, me and Rob have seen more of his New Japan run than you have. But not much of it, it's a few no. matches. But like, even that near, like when they got to him facing Okada, me and Rob were sort of like, oh, for fuck's sake. I mean, I Fuck think up. one thing we can take from this is the fact that Chris Jericho, despite being, you know, having been wrestling for, you know, twenty plus years, he's his ability to continually reinvent himself to make himself relevant to continue making yeah. himself relevant. From his feud with Shawn Michaels when he turned heel and became that clinical heel, to his stuff with Kevin Owens and the List and the Festival of Friendship to his New Japan run, that first match with Kenny Omega when everyone was like, there is absolutely not a chance that Chris Jericho now, in what people perceived as this fat, flabby state, is going <laughs> to be able to hang with who was at the time the best bout machine. And he did. It was an amazing match because Jericho reinvented himself again, became this, um, you know, just this ridiculous, you know, the pain maker heel and made it work because he's just he looks that like fucking good. He looks like someone who went to see The Cure in 1980 and never looked back. So, Garth. <laughs> Without the hair. <laughs> no, Chris Jericho. The more we talk about it, the more I think he probably could have been higher on the list, actually. But, um... That's thing, but also, like, um... That's thing, especially with his AEW run, he's having... Um... He's managed to be like the biggest thing in wrestling right now without really putting on classic matches. Yeah. Like he hasn't put on a classic since um the Kenny match. And I know like both me and Rob have praised like his um e- that match with Evil was actually really good. Yes, it was. But also it but also it was still like not like it wouldn't even touch like a top fifty of the year, I think. It was I think that's all that one. No, I think he's someone who is the biggest thing in wrestling without putting on like ten out of tens, which almost in today's which climate. sort of proves the sort no, of me- theory that you don't have to be killing yourself well, to be. See that, I think a lot of that is today's climate, and to be fair, you don't need to kill yourself to have a match of the year contender for the record. But like, sort of Jericho is not killing himself enough and not putting on match of the year contenders. But people are still fascinated to see where he goes. And that's just through, it's through sheer force of personality. Exactly. So yeah, number seven, Christopher Jericho. <laughs> um, number six is Mr. Perfect. I'm not going to try and do his uh, theme music. It's, with, it's a bad fucking remix of that. It's fucking dreadful. No, with the fucking drums. Dum, 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 but I think it's much better. Fuck off. <laughs> 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 We're talking about Mr. Perfect here, not goddamn Perfect 0.5. Um, 
Mr. Alright. Kurt Hennig, yes. Yeah. Uh, he is what he says he is. <clears throat> Just, again, another, like Jared Gore, somebody who's, like, enthralling and, like, uh, you can watch him talk for hours and hours, but he had the, he had the thing that Jared Gore doesn't necessarily have is, he was a fucking amazing technical wrestler. Um, his matches, it always comes up, his matches with Brett. Brett Hartoff always said, like, that was one of his favourite sort of opponents because he was so easy to work with. Um, everybody, I think, in his, um, when they did the sort of DVD, all the people that came out and said, look, he was my favourite person I worked with because he made us look good. <laughs> and that's, that's testament to being a, like a good wrestler. But he also got himself well with his promos, with his character. His teaming up with Bobby Heenan was genius because they were both so like enigmatic and like just fun to watch. That was the thing. And then when he had that little stint on commentary, he was good fun. And then he was managing Ric Flair. And again, it was like a perfect marriage of these two sort a of egos. Marriage. Yes. Um, Wordplay. Just. Uh, <laughs> I was trying not to go there, um, <laughs> but he had. A, and again, as a kid, he was he was like the, the chicken shit heel who would go out of his way to try and slice fly out of the match, but he would get the upper hand probably through the brain healing getting involved. But <clears throat> just amazing. And I always remember. I always remember um, my next door neighbor and his brothers used to just like watch and play wrestling and stuff and I always used to pick Mr. Perfect like, oh she's trying to do the perfect place <laughs> <laughs> and honestly the amount of times that I fucking hit the like bug beds and stuff like that trying to do this move or nearly break me back but it was always Mr. Perfect That's, I don't know why just brilliant I think it's about Mr. Perfect and uh, this sounds like it's going to be a criticism absolutely not He's someone who, even with my generation, very cynical way of looking at wrestling. Like, believe it or not, guys, I'm very optimistic for my generation. <laughs> and um, I someone. No, here's the thing, Rob. You think I make a lot of wanting to die jokes? You should see half my friends. But Mr. Perfect, someone I can't fault, and that's speaking as someone who's like 20 wow. years out of his range. Yeah. Like, um, with the exception of I don't like wrestlers who have um, finishing moves that go right into pinfalls, but that's a personal thing. Like, fucking, his vignettes especially have never really been topped. Nah, the, the, the um, ones where he's doing the sport. The basketball yeah, exactly. one is insane. <laughs> it's so <laughs> amazing. Like, um, you just see that, I'm like, there's no way that's fucking real. Oh, wait, it's the 80s and computers didn't fucking exist yet. Okay, <laughs> fucking real then. But, um, Matt, also the, just some of the shit you do on the way out to the ring, like there was one where he spat out gum and and swatted it away. Oh, yeah. He always and, I, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. I even can't just, even... even just come down to the ring with that towel and then do the little throw behind his back. And then he's exactly. catching it. Yeah. All those little things just. It's just unbelievable. Such a good character. Just, but yeah, like the sub thing is, he, he was another one who was always just milling around the sort of intercontinental card. He never got any higher. Um, but I think that was 
because that was where the wrestlers were and the other like the, the heavyweight championships were more the big men and the, the characters but like I said the, the matches he had with Brett were amazing um, even had good matches with the likes of sort of Tito Santana and uh, the Texas Tornado like Rick the Model Martel stuff like that just you, I know but you know what's bad I know just the fact that you've included Texas Tornado in like the other section <laughs> and someone's gonna go fucking oh don't you dis- don't you bad talk with fucking Von Eriks the fucking clown you never had the sportatorium back in well, 1973 well in the WWE like the Von Eriks didn't really there was one Von Eriks mean much yeah that's it he didn't really mean much so no, um, I'm a perfect number number six. Um, a good number six. Yeah. He's not the perfect one, but okay. Hmm. What do you think? Of, do you has what's the best Mister Perfect ripoff? Do you think? Ripoff. Yeah, like Bob, um, Bobby Roode. You think Bobby Roode? I think Ty Dillinger. I just see the move set Bobby Roode does is even as the shape of his body, the way he moves. I guess. He even does even does the um. <coughs> the, he does do the perfect plan. He does the, the blockbuster off the ropes, which Perfect used to do, and he does the, the one way sitting and the jump over the head and do the snap. By the way, if you're like a young and listening to this, and that's coming from me, um, who's never seen Mr. Perfect, watch his match with Brett at the 93 King of a Ring. Jesus fuck, what a match. It's, yeah, just the clinic of technical and storytelling wrestling. Exactly, and that's coming from a fucking. Young and like me. <laughs> so, but number five, so top five, and it changed from when we did this originally. So, because Mr. Perfect was in the top five then, but I had a change of heart. Um, number five is uh, Kurt Angle. Yeah! Real. Damn real. Uh, I love yeah. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. Do that. Kurt Angle's probably the person we spent the most time on when we did my list. Yeah, because he just had such a like a treasure trove of fucking matches. Like, I don't think there's anybody else possibly had as much constantly good matches. Even I even when he was in like really shit feuds, he would still have good matches. I think it's reasonably good to argue. That up until about 2008, 2009, every year Kurt Angle was an active professional wrestler. He had a match of the year contender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What amazes me is, and continues to amaze me to this day, is the fact that Kurt Angle, from the moment he stepped foot in the WWE ring to his time in TNA, he put on outstanding matches in both companies. And I don't think. Yeah. There are many people who can say that they've been in two of the top companies in the world, as TNA was at the time, and put on as many good matches as he can, to the point where people are, people have trouble differentiating between which run they think was the best. Yeah. Which is just, it's amazing. That's pays testament to just how good... I mean, people say that backstage people thought he was the shit. He was the person. There's a great story about how um, there's a match that um, Kurt Angle has with Big Show and it's um, Eddie Guerrero and all this and Eddie, it's something goes wrong and both him and Kurt Angle go backstage and Eddie hot as fuck goes after <laughs> Kurt Angle and apparently Angle just literally locked him in a front face lock, lowered him to the ground 
and then calm then down, and then just calm down. And it's just like just the thought of Kurt Angle just going, "All right, come here," just literally to this really hot Eddie Guerrero who apparently had a right temper on him, and just oh, like, yeah. "There you go, sorted." Just that's amazing but, to me. There's a there's a great story of um, related to the backstage stuff with Angle as well. Um, Triple H, who's like the ultimate politician in wrestling after Hulk Hogan fell off the face of the earth. Um, 2001 it would have been is when um, Angle was in his first run as champion just before he lost it and Triple H was campaigning to have him win the title just going to his mates going yeah he's too fucking small isn't he Pat Patterson heard that came up to him and going tell you what why don't you go try and shoot wrestle Kurt Angle <laughs> and see what fucking happens and then Triple H never brought it up again <laughs> well isn't there, isn't there a story about Brock being one of like Kurt was one of the only ones that brought ever back down to. Yeah. No, that's if no they, one would nah. actually step up to Kurt Because Kurt Angle would never try and get himself over. Like, if Kurt Angle was campaigning for something which was the betterment of the show. The thing is, Kurt Angle, for the fact that he was, like, arguably the best wrestler in his head, is one of the best in the world, the best easily in WWE. Um, the fact that he'd only been, like, doing the thing for about three years before then. And the fact he went and did some of the most stupidest, goofy shit he ever did. Oh, the, shit he the, did. the fact that he just he was having a, a good time and he was happy just to do whatever. I think he didn't fall in love with like pro wrestling as a child, but he clearly no. fell in love with it as soon as he fell into it. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. but, so this is my fucking calling. Okay, because I, I can't think of anyone as smooth as Kurt Angle. Like maybe a Johnny Gargano, maybe a Daniel Bryan. <laughs> right, you, you don't need to cough your number one guy. <laughs> it's fairly obvious. I mean, it just. I fucking would have loved to see him and Bret Hart. That would be my dream, dream match. It would you know, have been dream, amazing. To be fair, Kurt Angle is probably the person who has the most dream matches for me. Like, I think of like Angle versus Brian, oh, yeah. Angle versus current day Zach Faber Jr., not like back in the day. Um, Angle versus Okada would make me um, stiffer than Ishii match. Angle versus Gargano. And Angle versus Gargano. Angle versus Champa. Like the hardcore shit they do would be amazing. Angle wanna... versus um, what's it called? Describe him. Describe him to us. He's married to Jordan Grace. Oh, Gresham. Gresham. Yeah, him because oh, he's yeah. a, he's a smooth bastard. To be honest, you look at that spate of you look at that spate of WrestleManias from seventeen up until about what twenty three, and mm-hmm. oh tw- twenty two was his last one, but it was twenty two. Sorry, the show. that's yeah. Without fail, Angle was match of the show. His ang- his matches with Benoit, that submission match with Benoit was absolutely uh, incredible, and then um, the one he had at Mania, Brock. the ones with the one with Brock at nineteen, the one with um. Again, the one with Jericho, not Jericho, the one with Michaels, sorry, the one with Cena, amazing. He dragged a good match out of Kane. He could drag a good match out of a mop. And then he it's went like, to TNA and had arguably some of the best matches he's ever had. His matches AJ with Styles, Samoa Joe Samoa are Joe. stuff of legend. Fucking Nigel, Nigel McGuinness stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jesus um, fuck. Um, he, he managed to put... He, Going back to TNA, he managed to put a good match of Ken Anderson. That's yep. true. Ken Anderson, Sting, Jarrett. 
Yeah. He, he probably had Sting's best match, and Sting was shit. Can we just quickly say as well, all of these things we're saying he did most of the time with a broken fucking neck. <laughs> oh, yeah. His, when was the last time? His neck has never actually been healthy. I, if anyone says it has been, they're fucking lying. I mean, well, he, he wrestled the was... WrestleMania 19 match with a broken neck. Yeah. Or at yeah, least a botched neck. And then, like, the reason he left WWE is because of the neck and they wouldn't give him time off. And that, he had what, he had, what six months and then he was in TNA. So it can't have been fully healed anyway. So, See, yeah. the story I'd heard about Kurt, in, Kurt leaving the WWE was that they wanted him to have time off and he didn't want it. He didn't. See, I remember, basically, they said, it, we can't let you wrestle, Kurt. <coughs> Look at the fucking state of you. And he just well, said, well, the, clearly you don't want me. Those, um, used to, remember those shoot, really, really sort of like backstreet shoot interviews they used to do, where it was just basically shot in a hotel room? Yes. He did one of he did one of those. And it used to be they used to always be on the wrestling some shitty wrestling channel on Sky. And I remember watching it with him and it was he said what had happened is he, he got so hooked on painkillers that they wouldn't operate until he is basically until he was clean. And Vince wouldn't let him take time off to get clean. So he was wrestling through the pain using painkillers and it was just a vicious cycle. So then when his contract came up he says, I'm not signing it until you let us have time off them. They just never they just never got back to him. And you, look, like, and you look at Kurt Angle's position in the company then, you know, he's still then, what was that, 2006 did he leave? Is that when he turned up in TNA, 2006? Something like that, yeah. Um, and he was still the best wrestler in the company. Yeah. Then he went on to have amazing feuds with firstly Joe and oh, AJ. amazing. I mean, That's... you put on top of this, TNA put every single belt on him at one point, at the same yeah. time. And no one went, well, that's bollocks, because it was Kurt Angle. And that's the thing, like, like nobody, I don't think there's any wrestling fan anywhere ever has ever said, Kurt Angle, I don't like him, what he was shit. Overrated, ever. yeah. Yeah, never. No, Because he's agree. so fucking good. Right? He is, so, absolutely. Number five. And, I mean, these five, four, and three are quite interchangeable. They could be either or because they're all quite linked in a way. So from Kurt Angle, we'll go to number four, and it is the phenomenal one, AJ Styles. <laughs> nope, they don't want none. <laughs> yep. yep, 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 yep. Get ready to fly! That's a better song. <laughs> yep. I, um, I prefer his bedroom. Actually, no, his best song actually is his Ring of Honor song. Never heard it. Never heard it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I I was a proper Ring of Honor mark back in like 2013, 2014. So. But AJ, um, probably for all the same reasons as Kurt Angle's on this list, just fucking amazing. It's just perfect. Yeah. And again, he's another one of the very few where there aren't many people up to criticise him, ever. I can't Again, think of any, the only person I've ever seen talk shit about AJ is Rob Van Dam, but to be fair... Is that when he's high? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> When's he not high? I was about to say, like, fucking, Avi never cleans his room because he got high. <laughs> <laughs> um, but AJ, again, I remember, like, first watching sort of TNA and watching this 
guy just flying around, literally doing stuff at that time that nobody was doing. Nobody was doing springboard DDTs off a fucking rope. Uh, nobody was doing this, that, um, stuff like the calf crusher that I used to do, where you would like sort of flip them over first and then do it. Um, the Styles Clash was, again, it was just a move that nobody was doing. And it was all this stuff. He was just, it was like seeing a wrestler from like, I don't know. Now? <laughs> I, I, well, it is. It's like, it's like everyone does it now, so it's not really sort of special anymore. But back then it was like, there were very, very few people who were doing it. Um, you had like Rey Mysterio was doing stuff like that. Um, but not at that time and not to that sort of ferocity because it was WWE and they were holding Ray back but his early stuff in the X Division um, stuff he did with Joe Daniels Christian um, Cage all that have stuff you... fucking amazing is, is another one where if you've watched professional wrestling over like the past 20 years or so well not 20 15 you have a different... I'm pretty sure we all named our favourite AJ Styles matches are very different. Yeah. Like, what's your favourite AJ match? I'm tired. Um, honestly, probably is... Probably is uh, three matches that you had with Daniels. Interesting. One where... Basically, the one where you took him off the stage with the Styles cast through a table. Oh, fuck. I, that was gross. That's a great That's match. disgusting. It's a great How about you, Rob? What's your favourite? What's your favourite AJ match? Um, I've got two that I can't really differentiate with, um, from. Me and Garth did uh, TNA <coughs> Destination X 2012 and his mm-hmm. match with, was it Christopher Daniels? Mm-hmm. Um, which was just absolutely, absolutely lunacy. And then his match with Shinsuke Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom 10 was just oh. absolutely it was just it was it was everything i wanted their match at wrestlemania 34 to be and more and it was yeah. just it's, it's just wha- it's his match at wrestlemania 34 is what got me stopped stopping watching wwe because i'm sort of like okay we can put on the same match and not have the same quality okay i'm fucking out then <laughs> it's weird because like aj when he went to wwe and then the masses started like oh fuck me who's this guy's amazing at yeah no, exactly i was saying to people I fucking told you. I told you five years ago that this guy was like the best, and nobody would listen because it's oh, I'm not watching that TNA shite. I was like, I fucking told you that he was great, and nobody listened. His okay, so the... I so when Angle was who got me watching TNA back in the day, mm-hmm. um, like because TNA was this mythical place where Kurt Angle happens to be. Exactly. Huh? But then like... eight, but then AJ got me. Well, AJ <laughs> and Joe, to be fair, got me to stay. Not Corey. And then, like his. <laughs> I love Corey oh. Matt, to be fair <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea I, I, I talked about earlier in this um, podcast how my parents just don't agree with me watching professional wrestling at all and fucking Curry Man doesn't help my case Shark Boy, the rock and rave connection <sighs> with, let's not derail it with shit TNA gimmicks Black Rain top 10. see I showed, I showed Curry Man to my then 6 year old and he thought it was absolutely amazing. His finisher even, was the spice rack. That's even, just genius. He even drew Curryman in my birthday card. 
That's how much he loves it. <laughs> that is amazing. Your kid his... is amazing. Also, um, his it's a really underrated feud, but it's feud is stuff with Bully Ray, and then when he walks off with the championship. Yeah. Like that was what the CM Punk walking off the championship should have been. And then his New Japan run, and I'm sorry, Gav. Because we can't, we apparently can't go a fucking podcast without me mentioning New Japan. But Jesus Christ, his New Japan run. Ah. I agree with that. I mean, he was, he, he's another one who shone a massive he, spotlight on that. Oh, he, he, again. him being on Wrestle Kingdom 9 is what got me watching New Japan in the first place. Mm-hmm. And very quickly, Rob, have you seen his match with Minoru Suzuki in the G1? Uh, is that G1 24? It was 24 25. It's one of the two. I haven't seen G1 24 or 25, so. Right, so that's on the list for our next classic, just saying. Okay, go on, Gaff. <laughs> um, no, I just, I think, again, he's another one of those people who has been able to move place to place and still keep churning out like five star matches. Exactly. Like, um, he only stopped having five star matches last year in 2018. Exactly. And even in, even, in, I mean, he's still he the gave, best of the Fed. Don't get me wrong. He gave John Cena arguably the best match he's had in how long? Since 10 Punk. years. Since exactly. Punk, exactly. His match with Cena was such a good and then to be fair even like last year he had an in, and I don't think I think it's the highest rated main roster fed match of last year at least for me was his match with Brian at TLC and that got a 9 out of 10 out of me yeah I can't remember it um, well did you watch TLC because I don't remember if you did I think I did for that I think I watched um, it for that match <laughs> But yeah, he's the best thing about like he's right now. He's like a Bret Hart, where they they will default to him. They're like, oh, we have no one else to put the title on. Let's put it on AJ because it'll be a consistent quality. Yeah, just a, and such a good again, like arguably in the top three or four in the world still, maybe. I yeah, no, he's probably in ter- in objective terms. Yes, but problem is they don't. He doesn't have the scope in WWE to put on his classics. In fact, he's probably in WWE because he doesn't need to try as hard, and I respect that, because, to be fair, he has, like, 15 years of killing himself before getting to the Fed. I mean, a year of of killing himself in It's kind of like the retirement home for Legend now, where they go to sort of coast for a bit. Yeah, like Nakamura's doing it. Nakamura, um... To be fair, I, I'd say like a lot of indie guys like Cedric and Ali, but like they're mostly bad for money, and I don't blame them. But it's got depressing all of a sudden. AJ's yeah. amazing. AJ Styles, <laughs> yeah, number four. Uh, number three again, interlinked with the last two, Samoa Joe. Just what a fucking monster. <laughs> and the guy who, after AJ, when I saw him on sort of. TNA and the first time I saw him I thought oh well who's this sort of fat dude um, and then I saw him fat wrestle and it was like holy mother of fucking shit like this is what I want smash mouth but athletic doing those like corner sort of overhead kick things and his intensity his promos everything even back then even sort of 2007 2006 TNA just hooked him and AJ just had this absolute hooked on TNA. I was like, right, that's it. The week, piss off. Um, 
And ever since then, I've just followed Samoa Joe. Like, I'm so happy, so glad that he got to WWE. Not because he got the WWE, because other people actually got to see him. It was finally, like, people will see what to be missing on. And then he got fucked. <laughs> then they fucked him over. I don't think he's been fucked, because he's still... He he could be probably be inserted right now into any title feud and everyone but title. You're like, probably like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But yeah, I so he's the one person who his bona fide best run is TNA. Yeah. Like everyone I mean, else, you can go like with AJ, you can go, oh well, could argue New Japan, he was WWE champion or whatever. Yeah. Um, with Angle, you can point to a million fucking different things. <laughs> Samoa Joe is like the one bona fide his best run was in TNA guy. Yeah. Maybe Ring of Honor, actually. But like that's mostly because Punk and Kabashi. But I was gonna say that was like it was like the golden year of Ring of Honor before they all sort of disbanded. Oh yeah, before he signed with TNA to try and make money. And then he never did it. And went to WWE and made money. But you know. <laughs> like I remember when he turned up in NXT. I know. That was the thing that was like, what? He's like <laughs> and no, because he just turned up because um, Kevin Owens is being the shit out of Sami Zayn and then Samoa Joe comes out and it's for fucking his original Fed song do you remember it? with mm. like the it's fucking Jesus Jesus fuck like people were still cheering for Samoa Joe even though it was the worst theme song in Fed history I just I just love it I mean and he's, you can tell he's one of the few people that they're happy just to say just just do a promo. And he'll do it. He'll cut a 30-second promo backstage and you'll be like, what the fuck? He's just... He's just got us instantly interested in this feud now. Now, that's the thing. I will... Samoa Joe is the one person I care about in WWE right now. Because he he seems to be the only person who cuts unscripted promos. Mm-hmm. Like, um, especially earlier this year, he, when he came out and was like... um. Oh, it was the, it was of the elimination people, and then did he did a couple of like scripts on like oh Randy I'll declaw the Viper and Muhammad, mm-hmm. Muhammad I see um fear in your eyes goes to Jeff Hardy Jeff Hardy tries to talk and he's like whoa 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 pretend this is an AA meeting mm-hmm. and shut up while I'm talking to the group oh Joe Jesus it's, Christ it's even like that little feud he had with them um, Rey Mysterio it made Rey Mysterio like. You actually cared again? Yeah, no, exactly. And fucking those two matches were like what three minutes long between yeah, the two both. of them. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus <coughs> fucking but... Christ. Although, in the case of um, Joe, that that was believable. When Rey Mysterio beat Joe in like a minute, it's like Jesus <laughs> fuck. Why the fuck would you do that? Jesus Christ. Fuck you. His um, his matches were angled when TNA were fucking amazing. Incredible. It's his one of the stuff, best series ever. Yeah, it's stuff with um, AJ again. It's just those people were just so interlinked because they were the best. Uh, it's stuff he did. Even I mean, the stuff what he did with the uh, the Nation of Violence was pretty shit, but it was still he still put on good matches. Uh, the stuff he did with Taz was good. Um, to be fair, it's one of those amazing, like Punk with Paul Heyman, where like Samoa Joe didn't need a mouthpiece, but then you put him with Taz, who's even more unpredictable. Mm-hmm. That's it. 
It was um no, I just <coughs> it's amazing how sort of relatively short period of time it took some more Jota just insert his way into me top favourite wrestlers of all time. Because he's just so fucking good. And just so, like I say, believable. Um, which, I mean, my number he's two pro- in stark pro- contrast. He's very quick. He's probably had, um, who's he called? Um, Baron Corbin's best match ever. Well, that's the thing. Like, he made people give a shit about Baron Corbin for a little bit. <laughs> to be fair, I still give a shit about Baron Corbin because he makes WWE match cry. And I just sit there going, well... It's just Japanese shit over here. You know what? I don't mind him. I think this the King Baron is perfect. <laughs> totally. That's something Sorry. for another podcast. But no, Samoa Joe number three. Um, and in stark contrast to Samoa Joe, number two is... It's the ultimate warrior. <laughs> yes. Oh dear. <laughs> For part unknown. The ultimate warrior. <clears throat> yep. Um the man who alongside the Legion of Doom got me into wrestling. Because I saw him in a magazine, I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh and my next name was oh, Justin, do you want to watch it? I was like, yes. <laughs> that was it. Hooked. Um <laughs> The thing about the warrior is... He's bigger than life, him. isn't he? Ultimate warrior. The thing about him is, he wasn't a very good wrestler. He was At a all. bodybuilder with face paint, but he was like a real-life sort of cartoon comic book character. And you couldn't take your eyes off him for that two-minute ring. And when I would run around the ring for two minutes, absolutely blow himself up, then quickly have a match. <laughs> But his promos were absolutely nonsensical, but you couldn't not watch them. It's the thing. Ultimate Warrior's booking works. And I can't argue with that. Mostly because I fell for it with Ryback back in the day. (laughs) 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 No, because Ryback's the same kind of mold, isn't it? Ryback's the first time they did it in years and years and years and years and years. Yeah. And it worked. It got him over for about three months. And yeah. then he went against Punk and was like, well, even fucking Punk can't pull a good match out of this guy. Yeah. But Warrior, obviously, the thing with Warrior is he never actually really worked with that many people in the sense that he didn't have like great matches with anyone, really. Well, he had Macho Man Hogan. and Hogan. And, and Macho Man. Yeah. That's basically it, yeah. He, he's a very, he's the most 80s of 80s characters. Oh, yeah. He's very much of the time. But. I somewhat just, respect that. He just had, I don't know. It's hard for me to, um, to say why, but even now, me and my friends um, will still talk about how great the warrior was. Or if one of them spots, for instance, a pair of Ultimate Warrior socks in New York. <laughs> They will immediately buy it and bring it back. You know what it's um, like? It's like how you can, you will go out on nights out and have infinite, um, intelligent conversations with an infinite amount of people, but you'll remember that one nutter who tried to fight you. It's kind of yeah. like that. Like, just, I, 
of the night out I've been on with infinite amount of people, and the one person I remember is someone who's five foot six in OPM in Edinburgh who tried to start a fight with me because I was six foot tall. Sorry. So it's like, it's the impact. It's the, it's the, aye, it's those things. I mean, I, I'm, I'll always remember the time when Hogan came down and saved, um, uh, sorry, Warrior came down and saved Hogan. It was like the comeback of the Warrior. And honestly, I don't think I've ever been happier. That's Mania 8, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and you just hear his music and he just sprints down. It's that massive long entrance as well. No, and I remember me watching it at my friend's house and I was like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I think that's the thing with Warrior, with people of like my generation is that um, WWE has sent very mixed signals about how you should feel about the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, yeah. Especially like, like DVD they put out. Of the self-destruction of Ultimate yeah. Warrior. That was my first exposure to the Ultimate Warrior. That was the most... Bur- That's the biggest burial since the screw job. Being fair, it's all true. All of it's fucking true. Yeah, but... Th- no, I, un- I understand why that doesn't matter to you, but so, like, I'm... Like, because me and Garth get into the arguments about Warrior quite a lot. Like, it is true, but when, then when you hear... Um, when you hear like Chris Jericho and Edge talk about it and they talk about that DVD specifically and they say loads of that was taken totally out of context because they were asking us about the warrior as in what did he mean to you when you were kidding? They're talking like in a sort of candid sense, but the way they put it together, they made it sound like he was just, oh, he was this idiot buffoon who was spouting nonsense and nobody knew what he was talking about. Well, yeah, but that was the fun. But they spun it in a yeah, way no, to say it was bullshit sort of. Uh, I don't I try and take your, I, like, I don't try to take Ultimate Warrior away from you because he's like you're he's, like I was someone who was really scared of the Great Carly as a child, <laughs> so I can't really fault you at all with the Ultimate See, Warrior. But I even, also, I was one of the few people that actually even enjoyed his feud with Papa Shango. Oh hi, that was a thing. To be fair, it was one video. <laughs> Well, it wasn't a it was, feud. Wait, no, he did that, and he, he he turned up a few weeks and had the black ooze and jello all over him and stuff, and then they had a match. Jesus. Basically, I think I imagine that jello was basically Papa Shango's semen. Oh fucking hell! For fuck's sake, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate you know, blowy. <laughs> oh, Jesus. The ultimate blowy. Oh. But no, Ultimate Warrior is my number two. He was, it's more a, uh, what's the word? It's a, it's a generational thing. It's just for, for my youth. Like for my I, very, very early youth. I think there should be aspects of Ultimate Warrior that we should bring forward. Like Lucha Underground is basically taking aspects of the Ultimate Warrior and bringing them forward. Turn them up to 11. But, but also, um, <laughs> and murdered them. <laughs> Literally. The, <laughs> The mixed signals that the Fed put forward about the Ultimate Warrior is sort of what makes him such a weird figure for someone of my generation. The WWE completely, completely destroyed any credibility they had by then going back and releasing yet another documentary about how amazing he was. I mean, on both yeah. documentaries, they had Triple H giving two completely separate <laughs> interviews. On the first I'm, I'm one... No, exactly. On the first one, he, well. yeah, exactly. He went on about how, basically, the Ultimate Warrior destroyed his WrestleMania experience by not jobbing... Sorry, not selling the pedigree at WrestleMania 12. And then the next DVD said it was an honour to fight him. It's like, for God's <laughs> sake, any credibility it's, it's you actually, have is completely ruined. 
is absolutely, absolutely um, ridiculous. And also, um, I think, uh, again, this is probably a generational thing. All our generations have different opinions on sort of politics versus real man, but also the shit he said about gay people. Jesus Christ. I remember he used his image during Pride Month from sort of like, this is the one month you probably shouldn't use that. And that's the thing. It's like, if you look at the, let's call it the Jim Hellwig stuff, mm-hmm. where he's fucking doing his videos and his YouTube, that's just horseshit. It, no, that's the thing. The, the ultimate way of a man should not be before, but also he didn't do anything quite as bad where he should just go, well, his, his artistic work shouldn't like, we've forgiven worse. I feel, and like a lot of his wrestling work, for what it is, is good. It's just a shame that he did all that stuff again, like the homophobia stuff, and then he did the whole thing about Hulk Hogan being gay and all that shit. Tifa, it's not half as bad as what as Scott Steiner, who fucking has threatened to murder half the fucking WWE board of directors at this point. Well, he's fucking crazy, though. Isn't he? Yeah, but to be fair, he only has a 33 and a third chance of killing those people. So. <laughs> yes. But you know what is? Like, the Ultimate Warrior dying was honestly, like, legitimately. That was ups- so weird. I got, I, was, I got legitimately upset. And I remember I'd, he died. I think I just maybe just moved. Well, just before I moved house. And I, I was decorating a bedroom and I had a podcast on and it was I think it might be Jim Ross interviewing the Warriors manager who was also his like best mate and honestly there was a couple of times I had to stop I was just fucking like properly well enough that's how much that, that's the sort of how deep seated it is from being a kid honestly my number one when he fucking bites it there's going to be like a memorial service. <laughs> to be fair, we we all ha- we do all have both celebrities who, when they die, we're probably going to take a few days away from like work or school or whatever we're doing. Well, Jackie Chan when we die because we don't Jim know Harry. how to fucking cope with it. Jackie Chan. I, to fair, I know I know Jackie Chan from it. When Paul McCartney dies, I'm probably going to slit my fucking wrists. Yeah. No, I'm not because I'm going to cash in. <laughs> so oh, I've got I some. Um, I've got some. Um, I've got some limited edition. Um, uh, Todd McFarlane Beatles uh, figures. Uh, soon, yeah, as soon as that last one dies, shit, fucking getting sold. <laughs> I own I a Paul McCartney 1960s yellow submarine figure and the and a couple of vintage Beatles <coughs> albums. So I'll fucking cash in as well. I can't oh, lie. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> number one. Threat to hit my heart. Seriously, <laughs> I know. I know. Wait, it's wait, a wait, shock. Wait. I know. I know. Who the fuck saw that coming? Because you're such. You're I mean, so I... against wrestling I'm... as an in-ring storytelling know, medium. I mean, like good wrestling is never my go-to. I suppose it isn't anymore, actually. But, uh... No, it literally, <laughs> it literally isn't. Cause me and Rob were like, "Hey, so this New Japan stuff, like, literally the best wrestling you've ever seen in our fucking yeah, life." Yeah, I know, like, but. Eh. I'm going to watch fucking Tessa Blanchard because I fancy her. If they did one-hour catch-up shows, I would fucking watch it. They do. They're on Access TV. I don't have access. Anyway, <laughs> you literally don't have access. Um, best wrestler ever for me. Not the best promo, but uh, 
I like how you got in there before I could start talking. Um, but <laughs> still, just, yeah. I, I, the thing is, there's nothing really actually seeing that I haven't already said on every other podcast. <laughs> Literally every other podcast. Even when we were just doing modern wrestling every podcast. Just, yeah. The Hitman Hot. Um, it, it's hard to pick a favourite match. Um, it's hard to pick a favourite match. Uh, he holds a special place in your heart. That might. Um, his matches with Owen, amazing. His match with Austin, one of the best matches. His match with Bulldog at SummerSlam 92. The fact that Bulldog was still off his tits. Um, Absolutely off his fucking tits. He was doing um, crack for six months with Nightmare. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, just his body of work is arguably, well, for me, untouchable, almost, apart for the, from... For the Fed, yeah. Apart from his WCW run, which was just fucking pointless. That doesn't let's count. Be, let, let's be honest. That doesn't count, because Hulk Hogan was basically booking WCW at yeah. that point, so... Um, obviously, Screwjob aside, his matches with Sean were good. Um, perfect, which we mentioned earlier, were amazing. And the thing with Brett is, you know, he wasn't really very charismatic, or he didn't have anything that would draw you in on the promo aspect. There was just something about his matches that I wanted to watch when I was younger. They were very logical, his matches. Unbelievable and crisp, and you were never, you never guessed, you never. Doubted that you were going to get a good match. There was never a logical hole. In, like, if you don't like a Bret Hart match, you can't really explain why you didn't like it because he leaves no like logical holes within his yeah. matches. But I think, obviously, in today's sort of landscape, it will be maybe seen as quite slow and sometimes slightly boring. Well, speaking as for um, representation of modern day wrestling fans. No, <laughs> I guess yeah. I guess I'm a bit of an exception because of my enjoyment of King Road stuff. I do enjoy the um, slow build to the crescendo, which Bret Hart was quite good at. I do see his name crop up a lot more recently when it comes to name the most overrated wrestler ever. Bret Hart's <laughs> name comes up a lot now. I, I hate those discussions. And I think it's, it is definitely, it must be a generational thing. Well, I think, last thing, I think you need to, have, have a somewhat deep understanding of how pro wrestling works. You respect the fuck out of Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you, like, say you're um, a niece who's only just now starting to somewhat come around to the idea of enjoying pro wrestling, you'd probably fucking hate a Bret Hart match. <laughs> but, like, once you understand, like, the psychology, or, like, last thing, Bret Hart matches are just pure psychology. Like, yeah. maybe some pretty chain wrestling, but, like, he's not. <coughs> He, he he's not like he pro- he's not throwing like stiff lariats. He's not doing high spots, but you're drawn into his match. The thing is, it's it's, it's he knows when to hold back stuff, so he w- he would do a high spot, but maybe only once oh, so at the right time. You can't say Bret Hart does a high spot because his high I do have a high spot was from the second rope. Well, I don't mean like a high spot. I mean a like super a big, a big spot. Yeah, like like the um, superplex on British Bulldog 
things like that. No, where exactly. nobody, nobody did that. And he's the master of having a finish come from nowhere, which is lost now. <laughs> it well, with the exception of Walter, yeah, it's lost now. Mm-hmm. So no, nah, I can't. Like I say, I can't. There's not a lot more I can really say. He's just and there's not a lot more that people don't already know as well. Um, it's, a, it's super yeah. smacky, but like my ideal green mat. Um, dream match is of Bret Hart in a um, 1993 All Japan. <laughs> I want to see what Bret Hart does against Stan Hansen, mostly because I want to see the unique way Stan Hansen would murder him. Just fucking club the show. Oh, fucking I. I would like <laughs> to have seen him versus Tiger Mask. I know he did have matches in like, Calgary. He, no, he had matches in Japan where Tiger Mask. Bret Hart went everywhere. Like, he had a Memphis run, did Bret Hart. When he was cowboy? Yeah. And, uh, no, 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 no. This is during his Fed run because they had an um, agreement with Lawler. Yeah. But his, Lawler was actually really good. His, his promos with Lawler. With Lawler. Lawler? Like, fucking... It's not TNA. I, I've drunk a fair few beers through this podcast, Robert, right? No, it's... Um... To hit man, and I did, I did think about putting Owen on the list, but I thought I don't really remember that much about Owen. From fingers of Owen, he's someone who more had the potential than was yeah. he was never given a go. That's the thing, but Bert Hart is Owen if Owen was given a go, and if Owen couldn't cut promos, if he didn't die, fucking all right, make it more. Wait, but... <laughs> Like, the thing like, with Brett like, as well, if, like, I'm, if I'm not here to make things morbid, I don't know what the fuck I'm here, alright? Um, the thing with Brett is as well, like, you, you, you think about all the shit that he's had to go through and the shit he's put up with. The fact that he even bothered kept on going, it's like, fucking hell. Like, that's a mood. The fact that he even kept bothered to keep on going, that's a massive mood. <laughs> um, but he... I, he just... Even what, even now when he when he showed up on um, all elite that time with the, the belt and stuff like that, it was I, still I was like lo- me, text- me and you were texting throughout that um, show, <laughs> and then you and then um, I I stopped. And I went I, quiet. No, I went, when came on. <laughs> no, no, that's the thing. I went through to the kitchen to get a beer, and then I just got a text from you going, "Yeah!" So I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" When I walked through, it's like, "Oh fuck, it's Brett." That makes perfect sense because it's Garth. <laughs> yeah, almost as big as my pop uh, Austin Kong. Austin Kong. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite wrestling memories of this year. Like combined with going to U two with um, with U two to take over was texting Gafter in all elite because I've never seen him more excited about wrestling. Bless him. <laughs> but yeah, that's my top ten. Thank you very much, mate. Um, Thanks. So. Next week is my top ten. I'm just looking very briefly down oh, my we, top ten are we, list. Are we putting progress off another week? Jesus Christ! <laughs> I meant next time. I didn't mean next week. I meant next time. <laughs> just calm your tits, Chris. Jesus. What progress? God damn it. Um, but yeah, just looking at my top ten, there are there's one that's the same. So just yours. one. Just the one that is the same. Wow. It's either Angela Jericho or Corey. So you like the Warrior as well, then? 
Yeah, I'm a massive, <laughs> massive homophobe fan, me. I really <laughs> hope it's Angelo Jericho because then we'd all share um, one across all our top oh, tens. Guys. And I'll be very oh, is it one of them? I'm very happy. <laughs> but no, thank you very much, Garth. Um, it's time to end the podcast because we're actually sort of ending at a relatively decent time. So thank you, everyone, Wait, for listening. This is the earliest we've ever ended the podcast, and that includes when we started at eight. <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. Uh, one hour and twenty-seven minutes at the moment. So get it. That's fucking concise. I know. Tell me about it. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. You can check us out on any of the podcast platforms, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Please, you can download us from there. You can talk to us on Twitter at Podmania. Facebook at Podmania, YouTube, The Real Podmania. You can talk to me on Twitter at, at RealRobGoodwin. G-Man, what is yours? Gothamania. And Christopher? At Candy... Don't call me Christopher, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um, only my calls me Christopher, and that's when I'm in fucking trouble. Um, <laughs> at CandyChris97. Brilliant. And thank you again, guys, for listening. Um, just a couple of housekeeping things on Monday. It is the new episode of SmackDown on our universe mode. Please check it out on our website, www.podmania.co.uk. Um, next Wednesday, we will have our King of Pro Wrestling review with me and Chris on the Young Lioncast. I'm so then, excited. I know. And then on Saturday, it will be our Progress review. So thank you again, guys. It's a very Chris week. It is a very, very Chris week. It's basically Chris's wet dream is next week, which is oh, fun. an image I, I'm going to leave you all with. You're welcome. Quite an image, ladies. I am on Tinder. Also... <laughs> Awesome man, but it has to be the right man. Just the right man. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. You've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podmania, Facebook at Podmania Podcasts, and YouTube and Instagram at Real Podmania. And check out the website podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. 